Welcome to AdvisorTech Unplugged, the monthly podcast brought to you by MoneyInfo, the client portal and mobile app supplier for financial advisors and wealth managers. This podcast is designed to help address the challenges of the 21st century advisor. Each month, we invite a special guest to talk to us about current topics affecting their area of expertise in the advisor tech space. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or general feedback, get in touch with us by email at support at moneyinfo.com or tweet us at moneyinfotech. Good afternoon. I am very pleased to introduce Robert Clark to the next in our session of podcasts. Robert is joining us from RC Brown. He is the sales and marketing director, but I'm not going to steal any of his thunder. Um, I'm just going to thank Robert for his time joining us to, to record a podcast with us today. And I'll just um, start by asking Robert to um, tell us a little bit about the business um, and what RC Brown is, is about. So thanks, Robert, for your time and over to you. Afternoon, Lou. Afternoon, everybody. Uh, thank you for inviting me on. Um, very honoured. Um, RC Brown, or RC Brown Investment Management, to give it its full title. Uh, we've been in existence since 1990. Uh, prior to that, Bob Brown was an in-house company pensions manager, decided to break into the world of independent investment management. Um, and for the first 20 years of RC Brown's life, it managed large company pension schemes and money for large charities. In 2010, which is when I joined, uh, we added a private client aspect to the business um, with a a view forward two years to when the retail distribution review was coming in in 2012. Um, So our private client offering was aimed primarily at financial advisors offering investment support for their client groups. And that's been our stable business since 2010. We have added a few enhancements and diversified a little bit along the way, um, but I'll leave that for later in conversation because some of it is still being worked on. Um, Some of it has been tried and tested and binned. So uh, you'll get some honest answers in terms of success and failure. Brilliant. Thanks, Robert. And and today we really just wanted to talk about, you know, how DFMs support the IFA market. And I think you would you would call those your sort of introduced um, clients and then you have your your sort of direct clients as well. And what we want to really hone in on is how technology supports that. Um, And also towards the end of the session, you know, what the future holds and and how you see that DFM IFA relationship evolving over time. So Mm. you've given us a a really good intro into, you know, the sort of services that you offer um, and what, you know, I guess for for those that don't know, why would an IFA appoint a DFM such as RC Brown Investment Management? I think primarily it's assistance with the investment management of client portfolios. And and that is a really broad answer on purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, If I give you some examples of advisor firms of how they use us, it's probably um, better to paint the picture. So we have small advisor firms where there's one or two advisors. So trying to monitor markets every day, decide uh, which funds or portfolios or MPSs they, they might use for their clients would eat up a lot of time, they use us so that they can then spend time on the advice with their clients. Larger firms that might have a central investment proposition, uh, we've got white labeled versions of our seven risk categories um, with those firms. And again, it's not a sole proposition for them. We sit alongside 
other solutions so that their central investment proposition is, is properly rounded. Um, but those are the, the ends of the spectrum. And then we get individual inquiries. So uh, advice firms that only would use us if they had a client with ethical um, restrictions or concerns, or if they're looking for an AMIHT solution. Um, so we, we may only ever get one or two clients from that advised firm, but that's fine. We're, we're quite happy to help where our expertise fit and when it's right for that advisor firm. Brilliant. That's, that's really, really helpful. And, and what in the business, you mentioned you started in, in 2010. Um, what are some of the big changes that you've seen take place during, during that time, maybe outside of the sort of, you know, the regulatory stuff that's, that's forced upon you, but more as a, a business and a, and a sort of, you know, how the business has, has evolved? Yeah, that's been an interesting journey. Um, back in 2010, we were well ahead of the game in terms of getting our proposition sorted. Um, we, we had the real benefit of starting with a blank sheet of paper. So we didn't have to worry about what had gone before and legacy systems and what are our previous clients going to think. Um, but it meant that we had a two year head start pretty much on most of the other firms out there uh, pitching for advisor introduced business. The problem was the advisor side of the community hadn't yet got their head around what RDR was going to mean. So we were trying to market something that the market wasn't ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that sort of pioneering feature has, um, has stood us in good stead with some of the other things we've done since. Um, not that you have to be belligerent, but you have to get your messaging very clear and, um, and help your target audience understand the benefits of what you're doing rather than just assume they would naturally understand. Um, so I, th- I think RDR at the time seemed like a, a, a huge change in the industry, but with hindsight, it was just adapting. And by the time we got to 2012, the whole marketplace understood what was going on. Um, the fact that we were a relatively small firm meant that our voice wasn't particularly loud in the marketplace. But once our competitors jumped on board and created their own solutions, it then became much more apparent to our target audience what the benefits were in terms of freeing up time or being able to deliver a, a, a more professional investment management solution, but could still be badged in the way that that advisor firm wanted. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because you met, you know, you sort of, you were doing something that the IFAs didn't yet know that they needed. And it's, mm. you know, we, we talk about this quite a lot with, with money info and we hear um and you know as you know we we work across the sort of dfm um side and also wealth managers and, and ifas you know our clients don't want a portal or you know my clients are too old to use a portal but actually we know more than anecdotally now that that's that's not the case and it's we use the henry ford analogy quite a lot here you know if henry ford had asked his his customers or future customers what they wanted it would have been a faster horse but you know alas he developed the the motor car and and now you know we can't can't really live live without them um can we i I think that's true that there's an element of people have to adopt something to try it to then understand the benefits of it And, and and that's the the difficulty of being a salesperson that you've got to try and get inside the head of whoever you're trying to communicate with and demonstrate to them. Um, And and in the early days of our proposition, 
we were we were knocking out investment proposals you know to the dozen each day just so we could try and help the advisor or the advisor firm get a feel for what we delivered and how we delivered it what the the service interaction was like what the communication was like because if you're expecting somebody to commit to use your overall service they they don't want to then be stuck with something that isn't quite what they were sold mm-hmm. you know i think we've all had experiences of where you've you've met a salesperson from a firm or shop um, but what you get at the end of it isn't quite what the promise delivered so we were very conscious that we we needed to a get our messaging right but b absolutely deliver on what we promised yeah and it's so so important isn't it and you know you're you're right it can be difficult in sales can't it because you are you are there to do a job which is to sell your your service or or Mm. your product or or whatever it might be and I mean this is this is totally I told you we'd go off tangent but we were in them curries at the the weekend looking at new vacuums and we were looking at the sharks because they seem to be the you know we call you our trailblazer but you know they're sort of trailblazing the the vacuum world industry. This is how exciting my life is at the moment. But anyway, it's not a long story. Don't don't worry, everybody. Um, this, this, <laughs> this sales young sales lad, you know, he just he clearly just wanted just to buy buy a Dyson, and he kept pointing to the Dysons. And in the end, I said, Look, I, I I just don't I don't want to buy a Dyson. I'm not interested in buying a Dyson for no particular reason. Um, just you know, wanted to to investigate the others and. Um, he really didn't know a lot about vacuum cleaners, bless him. And he, you know, he tried to say that he could do his his six bedroom house in forty minutes with a with a wireless shark. Um, we left a little bit skeptical. <laughs> we went away and did our own research. And actually, as it happened, we did buy a shark, and it's very very good. But um, you know, we just weren't sold on the you know the kind of the process. So, how, how do you engage with an IFA, or do they do they come to you? How do you attract? attract new new firms to come to, to the business and, and it's take a, your a services. multitude of things really um we've got ourselves on various research platforms um like de facto synaptics uh suggest us um so for for firms that um are active in doing their own research and then seeking an investment solution we're, we're visible to them there's uh, an element of me pestering people by uh, phone mm-hmm. and email um, and then um, certainly for some of our specialist solutions around ethical and um, AIHT, we're quite active in the the general press um, so either giving interviews or, or making comments and um, we find actually quite a lot of inquiries come uh, by that medium as well we're not that massive on on social media um that has been i want to say by design um we've always been slightly nervous of the the freedom on social media in that we're targeting financial advisors but twitter is open to everybody Mm. so we would want to get our messaging, we've, we've always got our messaging right for the financial advisor firms, but we'd have to dilute that if we went for a, a mass market medium. Yes. Um, it's something that we are are adapting along the way, um, but yeah, we, we have been slow uh, in, in terms of social media take up. And that's that, that that kind of interests me because in in other technology you are you are anything but but slow really aren't you and you were our first DFM to come on board you know a number of years ago mm. and we've been working with you you know 
during the implementation and and ongoing and um and i sense that you know technology is, is an important part of of your business and how has kind of you know um joining up with money info changed the service that you give to you know both your direct clients and and your introduced clients yeah we've always viewed technology um, from a, a business improvement perspective so does it improve efficiency does it improve uh, delivery and, and again this is very much as to how the business operates um, we're only nine people big um, but we only need to be nine people big because we've used technology from day one of the private client business in 2010 um, and we've set ourselves up in a very efficient manner. Um, in, in terms of the, the Money Info uh, link, prior to engaging uh, with you guys, we, we had a fairly simple valuation portal via our website. So clients and advisors could go in and see what was the, the value as at last night and see some transaction activity. Our reason for engaging with you guys was when our world changed quarterly reporting mm -hmm. and we suddenly realized that, you know, we'd be days stuffing envelopes in the boardroom, um, sending everything out uh, in a postal manner, or we had to find an efficient, secure solution that wasn't email. Um, we, we had looked at um, the, the whole raft of email and, encoding and you know encryption and secure and whatever and, and we just weren't convinced that email was the solution so we noticed that money info had a secure messaging facility and, and that was our primary driver for, for starting to talk to you guys um, and, and that has worked exceptionally well in the delivery of all the, um, the client reports to both the clients and the introducing advisors um, the fact that they can the reports delivered at 10 to 8 in the morning, about three days after the quarter end. Um, they can look at it as they want, either on their phone or on their computer. They can download. They, you know, there's a whole host of different things they can they can do with it. But then when we noticed what else Money Info's system did, that's when we got really excited. Um, so our old online valuation tool was pushed gradually into the background because we found that we could have proper branding, we could have graphs that we could never have before. Um, and the detail that we could put on the portal, again, both for clients and advisors, um, was far more next generation than our old system could ever be developed to. I, you just, you've just reminded me of you talking about the graphs and charts. I remember Alan, um, who is Alan um, Beeney is, is Robert's colleague who, who we also work closely with um, at RC Brown Investment Management. And we um, we show kind of bespoke asset allocation in a in a sort of pie chart, but there were so many bits of this pie. It was, I think Alan said, very psychedelic. And could we yeah. could, could we calm it down a little bit? Um, so we did some work to, to make it less Austin Powers and a bit less psychedelic. But um, how do the clients um, interact with the app? Is it, is it generally positive? And is it something that they, they find useful? Yes, um, but again, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. That's, <laughs> um, so clients, before they had the app, didn't know that they were missing an app. Now they've got an app, they start asking, well, why can't it do this? Why can't it do that? Or, or when will it do this? When will it do that? So, yeah, be, be careful what you wish for when you're building something like this. Um, and I suppose that's, that's very similar to the relationship that R.C. Brown and, and Money Info have. 
that you've opened our eyes to a whole new world. And um, I, I think the polite way is to say it is that we've been pushing your envelope quite a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, in a, in a very constructive and, and nice way. So yeah, the, the, the clients like the fact they've got, um, got something they can access when they want. Um, and again, we don't force all clients to have it. Some, um, like my mother-in-law, doesn't have a digital footprint. She doesn't even have broadband. So um, for her, we still offer a, a paper-based solution that a lot of other clients um, still use. So we're, we're not trying to funnel everybody through the app. It's providing choice and people will use it as, as they see fit. Yeah, it's right. And, and it's your preferred method, isn't it? So you're, you know, you're not going to turn around and force your mother-in-law, you know, shove a tablet under her face and say, you must log into to our app. But mm. equally, you know, if you, if you, you wanted your wife to have access to her mother's investment portfolio and you have the relevant authorization, you mm. can set up those family groups and, and have that shared navigation, which can help in, you know, lot, lots of different scenarios. Yeah. So for trustees, power of attorneys, um, yeah, solicitors, accountants, it, it has significantly improved their access to information that they need yes um so um yeah previously where our old system it would have you know the number of logins was limited and you know shared logins and passwords is you know somewhere that nobody really wants to go um so having uh, having a properly sorted portal and again this comes back to why we didn't try and build it ourselves we we realize our limitations our our purpose on this planet is to manage money um not to try and build technology solutions so that's why we we were looking for a third party partner to do that hence why we came to money info it's you know it's a case of sort of sticking to your knitting isn't it i mean we'd be terrible at giving advice i suspect which is why, why we stick to the, the the development and and we did and you know you do come to us with with lots of ideas and lots of enhancements and you know as a business we're, we're really open to that because especially with the firms that are you know they're they're using it by how it's designed to be used and they've been using it for some time and these are real kind of you know use case examples of this is why we need it to do this or could you have a look at something like this and you know we've got a new project starting on Monday which um, won't, won't particularly benefit benefit the sort of DFM side um, of our client base but we are looking at how to use the portal to communicate with clients to gather fact find information which is a, a significant pain point you'll know this with you know with IFAs and wealth managers is how how to collect that data so you know we do we do like to sort of involve clients in future developments and how important is it for, for you and you know the business to continue to be innovative and, and creative because you you kind of need to keep going with it don't you? you can't just put something out there and expect for five years it to be you know fit for purpose for, for all of that time without introducing new things yeah that, that again is another interesting scenario that we've we've never gone for technology solutions um, just to be the new bright and shiny. Um, we've never tried to make technology a USP because it can be easily copied or shared and, and quite rightly should be. Um, you know, the, the more standardization we can get across our industry, then hopefully the, the better it will be. Um, so yeah, we've, we've always engaged with technology where we think it, it serves a real purpose. And the fact that we've... We've linked up with Money Info, and we're we're benefiting from other people putting ideas in. It's not just our own. So if, if we built the system ourselves, we're limited by our own creativity. So by by sharing a system 
we will benefit from other people's creativity. Now, the flip side of that is if you come up with what you think is an absolutely stonking idea, <laughs> will the rest of the world think it's a stonking idea? And then how long does it take to deliver that stonking idea? So that's where we've had to manage our own expectations. And in the very early days when, when we were the pioneer from the DFM world with you guys, things did move very quickly. And I think we, we got used to that. So once uh, you had started marketing DFM solution to other people and naturally things started to slow down a bit because you were, you were dealing with more ideas from a broader audience. I think that's where we just needed to, um, to have a sense check on, you know, we were privileged um, being at the front of the queue. We now have to accept that the benefits of sharing ideas does have to be traded off against. It might take slightly longer to see them in fruition. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's the nature of a, a growing business. I mean, you know, you, you said you're nine people big. And again, you know, people that know us and we're we're sort of about getting on for about 25 now, which is, um, oh, that's my mum phoning. Sorry. I do have my phone on silent, but um, she has she has the bypass switch, which means it rings and it makes me a little bit worried if, if mum rings during Don't the day. Worry, it's but... real life again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, where were we? So, yeah, and, and we... Um, we've done some quite, you know, done some new appointments in the development team. We've got a new um, full stack developer starting in October. We've now got a product owner, Stuart Carmichael, that's joined us last week. So there is some real momentum on that side of the, the business. And for us, it's important just not to keep churning stuff out. But you're right, you know, stonking ideas and getting them right and and having people, you know, use them and and see efficiencies and, and benefit from them from them really. So, I mean, um, our, our our session last Friday was a, again a case in point. Um, so, for everybody hopefully listening to this podcast, we have regular update meetings with um, Lou and Tess and a another from Money Info, depending on who's who's needed. So, Alan, Beanie, and I represent RC Brown, and sometimes it's us saying please can we have this added to the portal or it's um, updates coming from money info to us saying this is what's coming down the tubes. But invariably in every meeting, those discussions then spark another idea <laughs> um, and it could be from either side. So uh, last Friday, we were talking about how, how could we host some of our um, quarterly investment uh, update videos via money info. And the way that we thought of doing it using existing pods on the dashboard um, turned out to be quite convoluted, but it sparked a completely different thought in the potentially we create a library. Um, and, and that's a different mechanism. And we, we had to find out whether that's easier or not. But what I would say is the relationship with Money Info is always creative. I, I can't remember a single instance where we've had a flat no. Um, invariably it's a not yet or we need to go away and research it but I don't think we've ever ever had a flat no and I think we get that don't we we don't you know we do email each other of course we do because there are there are scenarios where we need to but most of the time we jump on calls and have a conversation and we're you know mostly it's a zoom now um mm. but historically you know we've been down to you in Bristol you've been you've been up here to us in in the Midlands and um it's worked worked really well so yeah. I mean yeah I mean that's kind of the portal side but obviously you you know as a business you offer many other services to, to your clients so is there are there any services that you offer that you know firms my IFAs or what have you might not be aware that that actually you do and you can you know you can help them with 
Yeah, um, we've we've broadened our business over the past few years. So the the, the bread and butter is is client portfolio management, um, whether that's a direct client or an introduced. Um, but we've also helped um, a couple of other investment teams um, break for freedom. So they were previously working for a much larger um, investment body. Um, and then the team has decided they want to become independent, but haven't necessarily had the capital or the wherewithal, or there's been a component missing for them to be able to do it. So we spotted a, an opportunity to basically copy the Raymond James model mm -hmm. but improve it. So uh, the two firms that we've helped uh, so far, Alpha Portfolio Management and Quorum Asset Management, um, we set them up as a trading as a subsidiary of RC Brown, sit under our regulatory umbrella, so therefore they don't have to stick however many thousands of pounds in the bank um, for, for the regulator to be happy. Um, they run themselves on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, we have compliance oversight, but we don't meddle in how they operate on a day-to-day -day basis. We don't meddle in their portfolio construction or management. They are free to market themselves under their own branding. And that's the key difference between us and Raymond James. These firms have their, their own branding and own uh, marketing capabilities. Um, and they, they have flourished. Um, we're talking to another another couple of firms currently, so hopefully by the end of the year we'll be able to to add to that list. Um, but again, that seems to be quite a different approach um, in the current world. We're we're hearing of a lot of buyouts or takeovers, but somebody just you know giving out a helping hand um, seems to be quite rare. Yeah, and I think you're, you're right. The branding is so important. You know, we've had a, I think there has been a podcast on the importance of branding um, or maybe a couple that, that touch on it. And that identity and that recognition and that trust takes so long to to build up, doesn't it? That you, mm. you know, it's important that it's that it's maintained and you're clearly not not worried about everything not being under the, you know, the RC Brown branding, although your, you know, your brand ripples through um, the sort of the literature and the events and the, the services that you offer. But yeah, um, we're, that... we're, we're mindful that we are responsible for these firms, but we don't meddle. Hmm. Do you share their biscuits, though? Um, for those that share our office space, yes. <laughs> Good. Glad to, glad to hear it. Well, look, that's all really interesting. And I think just, just a, a couple of final questions, really, that, you know, is there anything you see changing over the short and medium term with how you can help help sort of IFAs and um, the, the firms that, that you work with or anything that, you know, you kind of want to want to add to the, the content today, really? Yeah, the, the final point, um, again, it's about collaboration. So as I just described, we've done for um, investment teams. Um, we have recently set up uh, an advisor network. So um, firms can become appointed representatives of our Paul Cullis network. Um, so what we're seeing in a lot of the advisor space is networks are struggling. So they're either being sold off by the parent company and the appointed representatives have no say in who their future parent is, um, or they have to walk away and find an alternative solution. So we've purposely created this network aimed at the smaller advisor firm. So it tends to be between one and five advisors is the typical size that, that come to us. And then it's the same process as we did for the investment teams. It's sitting under our regulatory umbrella, um, but 
very little meddling from us on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, obviously, we have to have oversight of what business, uh, what types of business the, the advisor firms are doing, um, but uh, they pay their own PI insurance on our policy. Um, they pay their own FCS levy, so you know, they are they're able to control their own destiny. Yes, yeah, and that's a nice. I imagine that's a that's a nice nice balance, isn't it? Well, that all really really useful and interesting um, stuff there, Robert. So thank you very much. And I've just got a, a kind of a final a final thing just to just to just to mention. And um, we've got through the almost the whole session without an interruption, which was again just just my mum. But um, we'll forgive her. But we didn't mention the pandemic, which I think nowadays is is um, um, a pretty notable notable success but I know that actually for you um, during the pandemic um, you made a quite a significant decision to start something new in your you know outside of the RC Brown world and I, I hope you don't think I'm being cheeky but I just wondered if you might end by just telling us a little bit about about that side of things. Yeah that's um, it's very kind of you to, to give it airtime. Um, yes uh, through um, Covid era, pandemic world, whatever you want to call it, um, I had some spare time. Um, so I decided to set up a business mentoring and coaching um, firm. Um, it's something I've been doing on the sidelines for sort of friends and family who, who run small businesses for years. Um, but as I had spare time and I didn't just want to be sat there watching Cash in the Attic, yeah. um, I decided to formalise it. So I went through the what is my brand? What is my purpose? Creating a website. So all of those things that a, a new small business um, owner would have to go through, I went through myself. And having been in financial services in various guises for 35 years, um, I've picked up quite a lot of knowledge along the way and, and I want to share that. So my existing clients, none of whom are in the financial services world, have an array of um, experience themselves. Some are recent startups where they got made redundant and decided to, to go it alone, but very quickly realised that whilst they, um, yeah, one of them's a graphic designer, whilst they might be very good at, at colouring in um, when it comes to invoicing, marketing, um, all that kind of stuff, they, they didn't really know because it's always done by somebody else. So that's where I'm helping them work out, you know, what are the 25 hats that a sole trader has to wear? <laughs> And then uh, there's another client works in the mental health space. Um, he had a completely full order book of training. Uh, then COVID hit and everybody's budgets disappeared. Yeah. So, so he went from um, you know, feast to, to famine very quickly. And we've had to work out a, a strategy of, of getting him back to a, a half full order book. And then what's the, the progression from there? And then another client, she's actually thinking of buying out her current employer. So we've been going through the process of how do you work out whether it's a good business or not? She's got the inside track of day to day. But when it comes to looking at accounts and financials, um, what are the important aspects of that? So, um, yeah, it's, it's a knowledge share thing that uh, that I've, I've decided to do. Um, but of course, now the world is getting back to normal. I'm realising that there are only 24 hours in a day and trying to run these two entities um, is is becoming my challenge yeah I'm sure I'm sure you'll you'll find a balance and that's um Robert Clark 360 and you know if you have a little poke around in the website I think you'll see some one or two bright green money info notepads lurking in there as Indeed. well which is a 
which is a nice touch. Well, look, really, really appreciate your time. It's been, you know, it's been great to chat. It was only Friday that we chatted before, but anyway, a different, a different subject matter. And um, if anyone wants to get in touch with R.C. Brown um, and you need Robert's contact details, you can just just ping ping by us, and we can soon soon put you in touch or go to their website, and everything is on on there. So thank you so much for your time, Mr. Clark. That's very kind. No, lovely to have a chat. Thank you. All right, we'll speak to you soon. The Advisor Tech Unplugged podcast was brought to you by the team at MoneyInfo. For more information, please visit www.moneyinfo.com. Book a discovery call with us to learn how we can help you to deliver a better client experience with your own branded client portal and apps from Apple and Android.